Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Are very passionate. Are Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be sucks. Come on, a number leader. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, none other than the biggest jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everybody. And we got live Wookie Compound blasting in with us this week. You know him, you love him, the majestic beast, the big stinking Wookie, Nicholas Kronk, everyone. Hey, what's up, everybody? All right, Mike, Jet fans, Jet Nation, I hope everyone enjoyed our interview last week with Mr. Gurji. That went really well. Awesome dude. Very enlightening conversation we had. Those are the type of conversations as I get older in life you like to get into because you feel like you learn something from people like him. People that are trying to give back and are taking time out of their own lives to do that. Everything I thought went awesome, Mike. We had a lot of positive feedback on social media. I know the fans really liked it. That was awesome, man. I want to thank him again for joining us, Mike. And uh, that was a blast, right? Yeah, it was great, man. It was definitely better than the game we saw on Sunday. Oh, boy. Okay. You know what? I I tried to start off on a high note because we don't have much else. You know, guys? We don't have we don't have much else to go with here with this 0-13 Jet team. Uh, yeah, so that was great. Mr. Gucci was fun. Then, unfortunately, we had to play the game this weekend. I don't know if anyone thought we would contend in this game or play well in this game. Mike, we thought, who knows, maybe the, the, the Seattle defense stinks. So we could, maybe we could put some points up. We did on the Raiders, right? Not how the game went. Completely mismatched on the field. Superior quarterback. Started off with, with some points there like we've been seeming to do on this run of 0-13 is maybe start off with some points or get some points early in the game, look slightly competent on offense, Mike, and then do nothing the rest of the day. Against the 31st-ranked pa- uh, pass defense, Sam completed 14 of 26 passes, 53.8%, for 132 yards with no touchdowns and no ints against uh, you know, and had a quarterback rating with a 68.1. And it's the seventh time in nine starts, Darnold's failed to eclipse 200 passing yards and seventh time that he's had a QB rating under 76. And, you know, he's broken. And then after he was speaking to the media and they asked him, Sam, how could you not uh, play better against the NFL's worst pass D? And he said, I don't know. Now, there were some, a few good takeaways. May had that ridiculous interception, four tackles, pass defended. He's actually playing safety better than Jamal Adams right now outside of uh, sacking the quarterback. Uh, Adams carried the ball for six carries for 4.5 average uh, per carry. Berrios, 49 yards on 16.3 average. Hewitt had eight solo tackles. Uh, um, Fatukasi had a sack. 
um, uh, two QB hits. Bless had uh, seven solo tackles. And, yeah, we had and, five, and also we had five tackles from Javelin Gidry. Got in there, did some, yeah. Had, no, a, had a had a hit on the quarterback too. I thought he was gonna get a sack in there. Yeah, Gidry played well too. And then we had this cat Ballantine with a sixty-six yard return. And outside of that, it was pretty pretty lifeless. But to, you know. This is what we get, man, and uh, it's pretty sad. And Sam, I, he's done, man. Like he's broken. He's it, it was just you know terrible to see. But uh, that was pretty yeah, much I, it. I thought you know, guys, we're not gonna belabor this game too much. We're gonna get into some other stuff. Want to talk to you guys maybe about how we arrived in these past three or four years at this 0-13, at this at the precipice potentially of being one of the third only winless team in the history of the NFL. We're going to get to that in a second, but getting back to this game real quick, Mike, like you said, Sam, 14 for 26, like 132 yards on the day. I know Barrios, 3 for 49. Besides that, listen to these reception numbers besides that, Mike. Mm. So Barrios, 3 for 49, right? Perryman, three catches for 26. Scott, one for 16. Smith, one for 14. Herndon, one for nine. Gore, one catch for eight yards. Crowder, two catches for seven yards. Adams, two catches for three yards. I mean, what a, you said, he's broken, but against an off a defense like this, it just boggles my mind he wasn't able to take advantage of it and do more. I don't know enough from watching the game and seeing what I saw, Mike, to know if it was the play calling or not, or maybe if it just is what it is with Sam. But another game that we go through that... But, is- you know, and it's really disappointing because Sam, and I don't know if all the, everybody knows, they, I've said it before, we have a uh, dynasty fantasy football league, and Sam was the number one pick in our league in 2018 and yes we all know who picked him it was m- myself and it's, un- <laughs> it's unfortunate it's unfortunate now i do have the number one pick ironically next year True. so if the team does decide to move on from sam i potentially can keep the the dynasty uh full quarterback i know you two had a battle last week want to talk a little about that keith and nick well, you know, my my nature when I'm in these playoff uh, situations is to obviously, as you guys know, I'm the hum- I'm the hashtag humble champ when I was the champion, and I don't I don't really talk a lot of smack. Neither does Nick, and we didn't say too much going into the battle. Um, but Nick, I'll tell you what, the Wookiees team, guys. Now, last year on the podcast, we would poke fun at the Wookiee here and there about the squad. <laughs> Mike won the championship. My team is always pretty good. Wookiees team was trying his best last year. You know, you gave it a good effort. This year, a whole different story. You improved your team leaps and bounds over the previous year. You have a roster moving forward that's going to be absolutely awesome. So kudos to you, Wook. I know it didn't go your way this week, but moving forward, I think you put yourself in a way better situation. Not that anyone cares at all listening to this podcast at all. (laughs) But I think moving forward, your team's in really good shape, Wook. No, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. I appreciate that. I mean, yeah, it was uh, 60-something points against your team is, oh, Jesus, not going to get anywhere close, but... uh, it was a good run, better than last year. So Definitely. hopefully we, we we keep uh, building that. You know, moving now, forward. Now, Nick, machines. Keith has to play against the Creamies this week, and Creamies has Lamar Jackson. Now, last week's game with Lamar was unbelievable, and he beat to all of our fans our boy Dan Scampoli. They played, and uh, our, Lamar our, Jackson's our efforts. Resident, our Raiders expert. Dan yeah, Scampoli. yeah, Lamar's efforts. Uh, he was able to take him out on a Monday night game, which is amazing. And that was one of the most amazing games I have ever seen 
you know, on Monday night, Lamar Jackson was in there, you know, doing his thing. And then all of a sudden, he just wasn't there. And I, I, everybody on the chat, and D is down by four points at this point. Okay, guys, everybody's down four. We're all like, where's Lamar? And and our boy Dwayne is scared because he thinks he's going to lose. And all of a sudden, we get a video, and you see Lamar <laughs> running up, running up in the back and asking this dude to move out the way to run in the locker room. Now, he, yep. said, now he said Lamar Jackson says he had cramps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I don't think so. We well, all know. We all know what that run was. Yeah. We all know what that run was, yeah. Lamar. He was he was clenched up tight. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't good for him. Clenched. He was he had his entire abdomen fully engaged. And he was trying to get to that bathroom as fast as humanly possible. You I know, believe, you I know, believe and he cramped you know up afterwards from guys, squeezing Guys, you, know you, know, you know how you know, what did Lamar run, like a 4 2 9? Oh, and he, he was walking like a turtle. He was like, I yeah. can't put too much <laughs> pressure on my feet because something something bad could happen. But then he did come out miraculously throwing Yo, something right away. He came out, <laughs> he came out oh, throwing like a legend, son. You know how to have to You know, he didn't pull a Paul Pierce. In, in the interview, I'm like, of course you did. Just fucking you know say you, you, you did a Paul Pierce. You went, you took a dump, you came back, you were lighter, you moved quicker, you threw a touchdown and won the game. Yeah, or at least have have the wherewithal to know it's like, all right, when I'm going through the tunnel, let me at least mess around and throw a half limp on my leg. Yeah. So everyone, so the, the video goes out and they're like, oh, maybe Lamar tweaked his ankle instead of doing the the, the shimmy. The, the dude, he, and at that point, I was telling Mike. At that point, he had already started the countdown where he was like, "I only have probably thirty seconds." Yeah, to, oh, of to figure this out, or else it's going to be a bad speech. Yeah, he could. If it was a real legitimate injury, it could have been a Willis Reed moment. Instead, it's a little bit different than that, but still miraculous win. Miraculous win for the Creamies. He moves on in the playoffs here. But we want to get to you guys. You know, as we roll in here to week uh, fifteen of the NFL season. Jets sit at 0-13. You know, we know we know how things have been going, guys. And what we want to talk about real quick is kind of how we arrived here. You know, this it's not just this season and the sequence of events that transpired this season, Mike, that brought us to 0-13. Right. That brought us to a place where we could potentially only be the third team to ever go winless throughout a full NFL season. I mean, this is not something that just happened this year. It's transpiring this year. We're seeing the results this year. We're feeling the pain right now this year, Jets fans. We know. We all know. But it didn't start this year. It ain't the situation uh, kind of got heavy on Okay, everybody. So, as we said, the Jets sit this year at 0-13, the longest losing streak in franchise history. Adam Gase has resided over, and like I was saying a moment ago, Mike, what brought us here? The, the team that's on the field this year and last year to to a degree, the talent level, all the all the negativity and the negative aspects that are attached to the Jets right now, it didn't all come to fruition this season. What I want to go through, through for some people is just how the last four or five years has shaped and impacted where we are right now. And then when we're done with that, Mike's going to give you guys the flip side of that. What are we gonna? What are we looking to for the future? Who are some realistic guys Jet fans can think about us getting? And of course, if we get the number one pick, we know who that will be. Uh, we want to give you both sides of the coin, Mike. But if you go back to 2015, that's when Mike McCagnan was hired. 
Uh, the, really shortly after that, Todd Bowles gets hired. And that first season, 2015, the Jets were actually pretty good. You know, that first year of the McCagnan era, 10-6 and six they went that year. We know the, the last game of the season, though, how that went. But when it comes to setting the Jets up for the future, even going back to 2015, Mike, the Jets are already, you're already seeing signs of what's going to come with these Mike McCagnan drafts which is eventually what leads us to where we are now. You go back to 2015, Mike, you drafted Leonard Williams, no longer a Jet. You know, we drafted Smith at wide receiver, absolute bust. We drafted Malden, Petty, Harrison, Simon there at nose tackle. None of those guys are with the Jets any longer. And But that year also, besides the draft that we had, Mike, they also signed Darrell Revis, $39 million guaranteed. That ended up not working out. And that's the beginning of what we saw after that, Mike, with Mike McCagney. We didn't know it then. But he might be the worst Jets general manager I could think of when it comes to draft picks for all time. Probably. I mean, these draft picks, he he really didn't do anything until getting into the second to last year with Nathan Shepard, who's done pretty decently. Chris Herndon, who fell apart this year. Florenzo Fatukasi looks like a pretty decent pick. And then last draft uh Quinn and Williams his last one Quinn and Williams and Bless Austin uh look like really good pickups and then uh or Quinn and Williams being uh, actually his best and by far draft pick it looks and uh Cashman really gets hurt but going yeah. back to those old ones like you said I mean Christian Hackenberg to me and I said it before I think it's the worst pick in the history of our franchise I know it was a second round pick yeah. and I get it but I think it was he did he literally didn't even get on the field yeah, and that's um, and when you transition into 2016, so 2015 we went 10 and six. Draft wasn't great. We're not really laying anything down for the future though at this point at all. You get in 2016, our first pick was was Darren Lee. And Christian Hackenberg was our second round pick. Um, we also drafted Shell Peak, Lack Edwards, our punter who wasn't that bad. We drafted Burris. The only guy on the Jets still we drafted from that uh, that time is uh, Jenkins, who's a pretty good player, obviously as we know. But another draft that we completely whiffed on. They also gave 86 million dollars to Muhammad Wilkerson, $53 million guaranteed. Really soon after that, Muhammad Wilkerson had disciplinary situations with the Jets, ended up being, that was one of the worst re-signings uh, in the history of the Jets I could ever remember. And when you get into 2016, you know, 2015, offense wasn't that bad. 2016, you flip, they brought back Brian Fitzpatrick. They, they re-signed Fitzpatrick. He was a bum. They bring back Brandon Marshall. He completely fell off. That's another year where you, the beginning of us circling the drain here, Mike. The first, those two years right there, when you go through two drafts, and Leonard Williams was decent before we traded him, and Jordan Jenkins is the only other guy on the team right now from two entire drafts. The drafts are only five years ago and four years ago. That's that's not good. That doesn't bode well for the future. And you said Quentin Williams is probably McCagney's best pick. I'm saying right now, Jamal Adams is probably the best pick he made of any of any draft pick of Mike McCagney. That's going into the next season, 2017. What we're doing here is just laying out the pieces the Jets have for the future these years. 2015, none of them. We didn't right. sign. We didn't sign anybody in free agency that's still on the team that matters. We signed Cromartie. We signed Scream. We signed Carpenter um, as an offensive line. Then we re-signed Revis. None of them were the team anymore. Fitzpatrick, we know what he did. We didn't draft anybody that's on the team either. And that was not that long ago. You go to 2016. Right. You go to 2016, guys. We still have Jordan Jenkins. Nobody we drafted on the Jets besides him. Lee's gone. Yes. Still, ha- Hackenberg couldn't make guys. He he made XFL teams. Remember he started that first game when he got benched. 
That's how whack Hackenberg was. And we brought Forte in that year. He was pretty decent. We re-signed Wilkerson. That was horrible. We lost um, that offseason. We lost uh, Demario Davis. He, re- he signed with the Browns, who we ended up knowing we had to kick ourselves for. We'll get into next season, though. 2017, guys. They draft Adams. They draft May. But, Mike, the rest of that draft? Now, we're only going back three years ago now. The rest of that draft. Trash clips. It, it is absolutely horrible. And I know Chad Hansen just got some, just started balling with the Texans. Mike actually playing pretty well for them. So who he's to be determined, I guess. But Jordan Leggett, Donahue, Elijah McGuire, that Clark Jones, so many bad picks. Yeah, remember Donahue going uh, wrong way up the Lincoln Tunnel? Oh yeah, I remember. I remember him first getting a DW ten days after we drafted him. Then him getting a DW going the wrong way in the Lincoln Tunnel. So great job that year. So now we're three years in, where the only Mark, Marcus May. Still a Jet, still a good player. Jordan Jenkins, still a Jet, still a good player. The world, we're, we're pretty deep in here with picks at this point. And Jamal Adams is gone. Williams is gone. Jenkins, May still here. That year in 2017, when they came to free agents, Mike, they signed Beecham. They brought McCown in for the year. They brought Claiborne in. But they didn't bring in anybody still that's with the squad. Do you see a right. pattern? Do you see a pattern here, Mike? Right. In 17, they were doing a full rebuild. They were going to tank. Or not tank, but whatever. And they were going to get a quarterback, and he wanted Darnold, and he ended up drafting Darnold in 2018, along with Shepard and Herndon and Nickerson, Fold Tagasi and Cannon. But uh, it looks like you know when when that happened, and and obviously this was the last year of Todd Bowles' regime. Um, yep. The Jets didn't do as well as the fans and the uh, management hoped. And it was a one year with Bulls. He left. And that last four game stretch was probably the best of Sam Darnold's career. We were filled with hope. Um, also in 2018, Mike, when it came to free agents, okay. Terrell Pryor, Morris Claiborne, Spencer Long, Avery Williamson, Bridgewater, Tremaine Johnson. One of the worst signings you could worst. possibly imagine. Isaiah Crowell, Josh McCown, every single one of those guys is gone. None of them, none of them are with the Jets anymore. Just want to slide that in, just so everyone's seeing the pattern that I'm throwing out there. Fatukasi became a good player. Sam became a good player. No one else in the 2018 draft has made any impact or really matters too much. So when you get through the first four years of Mike McCagnan, now he had one more draft after that that was good. We're gonna get into that in a moment. But, Mike, we're four years into Mike McCagden here, right? At this point, in this little timeline here, he had 27 draft picks at this point. And I'll give him Leonard Williams, Jenkins, obviously Jamal Adams, May, Fatukasi. And I'll, I'll even throw Sam in there as someone that's maybe salvageable who's a decent pick. And beside, and maybe Jenkins too, right? So that's five out of 27. That's six out of 27. We're talking about, like, 20% success rate on these picks. And, and free agent-wise, just whiffing. Just whiffing free agent-wise every single year, Mike. And then we get into last year. Okay, now, last year was a little different. We fired Todd Bowles. Okay, so you got to throw that into the mix, guys. Todd Bowles gets canned last yeah. year. Yeah. Okay, right. we, yep. we, two weeks later, we bring in Adam Gase. Now, Adam Gase uh, yeah. did not have a great reputation when he left the Dolphins because of his player relations. He got into an argument with the owner. Um, all you heard was negative things, aside from the fact that his offenses were putrid and garbage and stunk the entire time he was there. So when he left the Dolphins, it became our coach. A little bit of a head-scratcher for most Jet fans. I don't think we're all saying this in hindsight. I think Jet fans have been saying this the entire time. Jet fans that I know, my homies, Mike, all my buddies that are Jet fans, I don't know any of them, but oh, this could work out. We, we, Mike, we had two shows before we even played one game about this dude. Yeah. where we were, like, we were like, what are we doing? What are we doing here with this guy? So we sign Gase. We bring Gase into the mix, I should say. And 
Not shortly after that, we know we have the draft for 2019. 2019 draft for McCadden was probably his best draft because, you know, like we said, we got Q. Madoga is, is a bit piece, but he's still on the team. Cashman, Bless Austin, Wesco. So none of those guys are really big names. Bless Austin is a guy who, you know, might have a future here, Mike. Cashman, Wesco, to be determined. We know Quinnen could be potentially a big-time Pro Bowler, so that's a great pick. But the free agent, free agent-wise, Le'Veon Bell, you know, we signed, who a lot of Jeff fans wanted. Really didn't do too much with the Jets. Now he's gone. We have McClendon, who we brought back. He's gone. We had Canazero as a kicker. We signed Crowder. We signed C.J. Mosley, who's only played one game as a Jet in his entire career, and next year will be his third season. So when you when you look at it like the draft wasn't too bad, you look at free agency, you have to say he gets a huge F there. But then, a month after that, Mike McCagnan gets fired. And this is where you look that's yeah. where you look at you look at this franchise and you're like, look at all these bad drafts by McCagnan. We can see why he got fired. We just detailed why. Okay, we're not saying at we're not saying this guy should have held on to his job, but the dominoes that fell for this to occur and the person you put in charge, Mike McCagnan got fired. Because Adam Gase didn't want him to be the general manager. This is why you don't allow the owners to make these decisions. This is why football people need to make decisions like this. Because Chris Johnson was the one who decided to go this route. And it's because Matt Rule wanted to bring in his own coaches. And the Jets said no. So... They were looking at what their other options were, and Peyton Manning spoke well of Adam Gase, and Christopher Johnson was the one who made this happen. And that decision destroyed the career of Sam Darnold. Uh, I hope he can recover from it. It destroyed the Jets organization, the Jets, everything. We are here now, exactly. and that is the main – everything Keith's about to go through – are other things that build, 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 but it builds off of that pivotal decision, which was the worst decision that we have made maybe uh, ever. I mean, and, and you know, who knows? Maybe that decision would put us in a better position coming up here in a second. But yeah. what a what an absolute just blunder. And Christopher Johnson just needs to go back and keep, you know, selling baby oil. Yeah, and guys, that's what we're trying to say here is, all these prior years before Gase came in, the Jets were laying the foundation for this horrific team that we have right now. But when you brought Gase in, what you did was take a dumpster fire and have a guy say, hey, I'm going to throw this propane tank right in. That should help, right? <laughs> you know, and that's what you did with Adam Gase. You were like, this thing's not working out well fundamentally when it comes to drafts, when it comes to free agents. We have to turn the entire ship around. And the guy that Chris Johnson brought in to do it was Adam Gase. Adam Gase, guys. Unbelievable. And we go into that year, 2019, and before the year even starts, you know, you get McCagnin, you get McCagnin fired. Joe Douglas comes in. Uh, about a month after that, Joe Douglas got hired on June 6th of 2019. Gase got to be interim general manager for about a month there. We bring Joe Douglas in. So his hands were kind of tied Joe Douglas last season at least. But as you guys know, we started off one and seven. We finished the season strong, so we went seven and nine. But it's one of those things that gets lost in the Knicks, which you heard the GMs, you know, Joe Douglas say this year when he tried to speak positively about Gase when the year started was a lot of the nonsense about how we finished last year. Okay, well, we finished strong. We finished strong. We were six and two. And I understand that. We all know what the record was. 
the thing is, they just didn't finish strong or play well or win games on the back of the offense. The offense was horrible. The offense was horrible when he was with the Dolphins. The offense was abysmal last year. We were the most pathetic offense in the entire league. This year, we'll get into this year in, in a moment, we're obviously pathetic also. So his ineptitude last season was able to be camouflaged in the fact that they finished strong. But what we know happened as the year went on was he had already lost the locker room. The season wasn't even over. The Jets were winning games last year. And in this off season, before the year started, you're already hearing rumblings. You're already hearing rumblings about Gase and his personality, him, the players. You know, he, he was able to alienate our best player, Jamal Adams. And me and Mike had some choice words for Jamal Adams. And the way he handles his entire situation was as immature as you possibly can handle it. But I don't think Adam Gase helped anything. I don't know why I don't know why you spend all this money on Le'Veon Bell and then you have your head coach come out and act like the position doesn't matter or you're not that great a player publicly before the season starts. How does that help your team? Like it's like the handbook 101 about how not to do things in 2020. Adam Gase is going through every single page. Yeah. You know, he, he's teaching the class how to not do things. Not yeah. relate to your players, not take responsibility in any way, shape, or form. Taking responsibility is what leadership entails. When you are a leader and things aren't going well and they see you pass the buck, what does that say to your players? Yeah. Oh, I don't have to be accountable. It's that guy. That's not my the, position. The thing you know? is, as bad as we thought it was going to be, it was like a thousand times worse. So the season starts and Sam gets mono. It was an immediately lose by one get point. Sam gets mono. The entire fan base is just distraught. Luke Falk comes in. And Adam Gase and the team just start losing games at Epic. Like, we thought it was the darkest days that we had ever seen. I remember one of our shows, we you put out a Misery as the cover. And I just said, this is, you know, I remember people, fans saying, we have never seen football this bad. This is week three. This is the third game in Adam Gase's tenure. Little did they know they had no idea what was coming a year later. They had no clue what was coming. Yeah, that okay. was, you know what it's like, Mike? You know what 2019 was like? You know when they say a tsunami's coming and there's a fisherman out on a boat and the energy of that wave barely even affects the boat? Like, you can't even tell it's coming. You're like, oh, if you're a fisherman, you're like, well, I don't, I don't, I'm fine. Yeah. As yeah. it approaches that shoreline and, and it gets closer and closer to that shoreline, it just builds up bigger and bigger and bigger. And then that's us in 2020. The tsunami wave just crashed down this year, guys. And, you know, obviously, Jets and Adams had their beef. We didn't re-sign Robbie Anderson. At no point in any of these drafts that we just detailed until this season did we draft a single offensive lineman that's a starter for the Jets, okay? So that's one way to not build the foundation of your team. At no point in any of those drafts, Mike, we didn't. We, I don't even know if we mentioned Ja'Kai Polite, that big whiff. That's the only bad pick from that oh. 2019 draft. At no point in any of those drafts, besides Quinnen, did we draft a defensive lineman, right, that's had any impact on these games? We still can't find an edge rusher. That's been going on for 20 years almost. At no point in any of these drafts, hopefully until this season with Mims, this year is kind of still, jury's still out. Did we draft a single playmaker that's on the team right now that helps Sam, that helps the team in any way, shape, or form? I mean, we didn't sign any of these free agent classes, any of those players either. So you arrive at 2020, bereft of talent with the team, right? As we thought, we knew we'd going in. But I don't think anyone thought it'd be this bad. I mean, the free agent class wasn't great that we brought in. 
Adam gets traded before the season starts. Le'Veon Bell gets traded. You know, we traded a whole bunch of other guys. McClendon's gone. Williamson's gone. Sam obviously has regressed. And we're to the point where it's so bad. Yeah. He's been beaten down so bad, Adam Gase. Even this guy this week came out and said he knows he let the Jets down and Chris Johnson. I mean, because, you know, there's nowhere to hide anymore from it. Right. right? Right, There's nowhere right. to run. It's like it's like the guy who gets taken in by the detectives and keeps saying he didn't kill the woman. And they're like, well, what about this footage, video of you going in the house and leaving with blood all over yourself? And he's like, oh, well, all right, you got me. You know, it's like there's no – right. like we, we have all the evidence now. There's no way – there's nothing Adam Gase can do anymore when he gets up in front of reporters and except say, yes, I'm an absolute clown. I completely blundered this. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'm the worst coach of all time. There's, there's no nowhere else one, to go. But no one knew it was going to be this bad. I mean, it is so bad. And no one knew Sam was going to fall back this bad. And now it all came to where it is today. And we're about to go 0-16. I mean, I Definitely, you know, we're going to go over this Rams game in a little bit. I definitely don't see us beating the Rams, and I definitely don't see us beating the Browns. And, you know, we'll talk about Week 17. I'm, I'm horrified. But, um, yeah, and you know. Yeah, where we're at this year, and just to finish it off with the ineptitude, guys, is we have three weeks left here. And, you know, Sam has five touchdowns. <laughs> Mike. That's crazy. Sam, we have, let me repeat what I just said. We have three weeks left in this season, and Sam Darnold has five Touchdowns. I like played nine games. I know he missed some games here, guys, but five touchdowns on the season here. That doesn't make any sense. It's just like no. his, Q, his QB rating right now is a 67. The Jets as a team just sticking with the offense, which is supposed to be Gase's area of expertise, which he brought in him, you know, which he brought him here to improve Sam, to tutor Sam, to show his offensive genius, like Chris Johnson said, and spread that to the Jet team. We are dead last when it comes to total yards per game, 269.8. Dead last when it comes to passing yards per game, 166 a game. Dead last when it comes to points at 14.1. Most NFL teams at least score near 20. The Jets are at 14. Um, we're 22nd in the league when it comes to rushing at 103 yards a game. And what's crazy is to get to 0-16, just let Gase keep doing what he's doing. It's crazy that he doesn't even evolve. You just saw that your boy, Frank Gore, had a concussion and Ty Johnson came in and rushed for over a hundred and something yards and touchdowns and looked great. You would think, Oh, maybe, maybe we should use the Ty Johnson a little bit more in our running game. Maybe we, I can fasten him in to my game plan. No yep. Gore gets back healthy and he goes right back to the well. He, he's so stubborn. And this is why he's never going to win. And you and know what? That's a perfect example, Mike, because you know what? Yo, Ty Johnson this year, 38 touches. He's averaging 4.7 a carry. Gore is averaging 3.6. Piran was averaging 3.7. Bell was averaging 3.9. So he's averaging a yard more than every other running back you have. And that's enough That's enough carries to know he's, it's, it's pretty, he's pretty decent. And yet you still go back to Frank Gore. It's crazy. And why? You're like, we're looking now at the future. Let's look at – he. he is so lost and – you know, it is what it is. They're not going to fire him. They're going to let him finish because he's just going to continue to do what he's doing. And he's the worst coach in the NFL. And that's it. And they already know that. Let me tell you something else. Nick, I want to hear your opinion on this. 
Sure. Um, actions speak louder than words. Okay. When the when the Philadelphia Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round, people were losing their minds. How could oh, yeah. they do that? Do you know they need help on wide receiver help? They need help here. They need help there. Why would they do that? They got Carson Wentz. Let me tell you why they did that. Because the management and the GMs they knew they were not sold on Carson Wentz, and now you can see why. If Joe Douglas was sold on Sam Darnold, I can tell you now that he would have gotten him weapons. He would have invested in oh, this team. The fact, Keith, Nick, the fact that he did not do anything this offseason of significance shows you all you need to know about where JD's head was with this team. He thought they were suspect. He thought they were suspect. He thought Gates was suspect. He thought Sam was suspect. Okay? Because if he did it, he would have gotten... He would put more in the team. He left them where they were and actually removed one one asset he didn't even bring back in Robbie Anderson and said, let me see what you guys got. Let me let me see. Kept thickening. And, and I think that was the big, the biggest mistake I think he made was not bringing Robbie back. I think that's, that's pretty obvious now. When we watch these Jet games and we see, I mean, that, that Perryman is the worst streamer in the world. But I think we thought Perryman, because of the way he ended last year, could maybe be replicate what Robbie gives you, but he can't. Robbie's a better receiver than him. That's, that's clear now. I don't think it was when the season started, but that's why I wanted to go through these drafts and go through these free agencies to last all these years, the pre-Joe Douglas era, so people realize you can't give Joe Douglas a pass. If the next couple of years don't work out, it's all on him because he has kind of put taken all the chips, sa- saved all the chips, let everyone else bet out, and he's waiting until the next hand, which is next season. That's what kind of what Joe Douglas is doing. And that's why Mike's going to get into some positives here. You know, we went through some negatives. We went to kind of how McCagnan sunk us with his drafts and his free agent choices. How Gase didn't help the situation either. We know Gase is absolutely history. But one thing that's happened, okay, in the past 18 months is an accumulation of draft picks. Tons of them. Is a clearing of cap space. And, you know, they, spent, they, they saved $30 million in the cap this year, which they'll be able to use next year. So they put themselves on paper, which means absolutely nothing, as we all know. But the Jets on paper don't normally even put themselves in good spots. So I'll take that for what it is, Mike. They have a ton of cap space, going to have a ton of draft picks, going to potentially be able to be really good really quick if they make the right decisions. And if we get the number one pick in the draft, I think we know what we're going to do with that. We definitely do. And, you know, I think before talking about the draft and getting into uh, you know what the players are going to look like. I, it's the biggest and most important job for Joe Douglas and the New York Jets will be to find Adam Gase's successor. And there's a couple of names out there, you know, John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh and Bill Cower and all these names. But to me, it is crucial that you get a CEO type uh, character in the building. Not somebody who's an offensive guru, not somebody who's a defensive guru, who's somebody who, you need someone that is going to be able to manage. Just kind of like uh, Judge or uh, um, Nick. I really do oh, think yeah. the giant coach is a pretty good coach, to be honest with you, uh, holistically. Um, first name I want to talk about real quick Pat Fitzgerald coach of the Northwestern Wildcats. He is 46 years old. He turned around the Northwestern football program into something very respectable. Um, He's more of that CEO type guy. 
that understands how to take a program and lift it kind of like the way Rule did over there at Baylor. So he and Matt Campbell, who also uh, was named Big 12 Coach of the Year back in 2017, Campbell took a team that won three games to eight and five records back to back in uh, uh, 2017 and 2018. Um, pretty, pretty good. Um, so those two guys I like as far as um, CEO type guys, but honestly, the guy I want as head coach after going through these names, Joe Brady, offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. Now, a lot I know that I just said, you know, don't bring in an offensive guru, uh, you know, guy who's particular on offense, but this is why I like Brady. Brady helped build the LSU Tigers, that record-breaking offense back in 2019, yep. leading them to a national championship with Joe Burrow as the number one overall pick. And Matt Rule hired him as if offensive coordinator. He's really young. He's 31. But despite, like, missing uh, Christian McCaffrey and then, you know, having injuries at, at quarterback, um, the Panthers are still averaging about 24 points and 370 yards per game with that team. And that guy... Because he has a strong connection to young players, as we saw, who was part of a rebuild, I think with a Trevor Lawrence or a, or a uh, Fields, I really like him. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Keith and Nick, but Joe Brady, to me, would be the real... You, you know who the sexy pick was back when the Jets were hiring? It was uh, the coach for the Arizona Cardinals. What's his name? Clint Kingsbury? Yeah, that's that's the sex. Brady's the sexy pick this year. And to me, that's the guy I would want after looking at these guys resumes. I don't know if you guys have any yeah, thoughts. You, on that. If you look Brady in his career, man, he just like shot up. He went from being a linebackers coach at William and Mary to, you know, being working for LSU at the top level. And that only took him like five years. That, that's pretty impressive for somebody 31 years old. I think he'd be the youngest coach in the league, Mike. But he went to LSU. They killed it. He was passing game coordinator. He was a wide receiver coach there. Carolina Panthers is the offensive coordinator this year. And their offense, if you think about it, with Bridgewater. Now, I'm not, uh, Bridgewater is... He is what he is. Yeah, he's not the greatest quarterback in the world. He's not a bad quarterback either. He's kind of right in the middle. But they've had some games. They've lit it up. And he, he's had some pretty good numbers this year, Bridgewater. And that's without McCaffrey being there, his main weapon this year. Exactly. Seems like a really smart guy. And, you know, he seems like if you're going to draft somebody like Lawrence, I mean, you almost it's almost like what you want, what you pray for, is if you can get a situation. Now, Drew Brees is much further into his career. He already played with the Chargers. But it'd be nice to have someone who's in lockstep with our quarterback like Drew Brees and Sean Payton were, where it yep. seems like they're going about this together. It's not – and we'll take Adam Gase as our coach now. It's not a coach saying, here's what I think the offense should be, how it should be run, here's how we do everything, now go do it. Yep, yep. You know, It's like Kingsbury and, and Kyler Murray. They're – the two of them, they're together. You know, yeah, what I'm the, 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 the the relationship in the NFL in 2020 needs to be more symbiotic than than just uh, you know the coach saying this is how things should be. Not that that coaches don't know better in some situations. I'm sure Andy Reid, as he's proven throughout his career, whoever his quarterback is, is going to be successful. That guy knows what he's doing. But Andy Reid has Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes right. can be creative. Patrick Mahomes. And he works with him. That's the type of coaches you need. Whether it's a guy who's a veteran like Andy Reid, who always seems to be open-minded, or it's somebody young 
like a Brady or maybe a couple of the other guys you just mentioned, whatever puts us in the best situation to grow our quarterback, which we haven't been able to do, it seems like here with Sam, we put him in the worst possible situation. We need to learn from those mistakes. If it's a guy like Brady, Mike, like you said, who seems to be uh, really on top of things, 31 years old. I don't know. Look, you think someone only has one year, real one real year, Wook, as an offensive coordinator in the league. Do you think that's enough? to go ahead and take over the reins of a team? Experience-wise, maybe not. But if the guy's ready as a coach, and in, in totality, as far as leading an entire team, uh, I think that'll, that, that'll come through whether or not he's got one or five years under his belt. Okay. Um, it's going to be whether or not everybody else in the building gathers around him, rallies around him. If that's the case... Who knows? A younger guy, fresh eyes. You know, Sam's not dead yet. You know. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I just think that after looking at Kingsbury, after looking at McVeigh, after looking at a lot of these young coaches in NBA and baseball, you know what? If you got confidence and you think you can go out there and you got the knowledge, uh, and you've shown an ability to to grow a program, all right, then go do what you got to do. I mean, I work with kids. That you know, 30, 31, 32 year olds that are doing amazing things. You know, just because you're 30, 31, 32 doesn't mean you can't execute at the highest levels. So, yeah, he's probably going to have an experience growth there. But I, I like the fact that he was part of a regrowing program and uh, was part of that LSU championship. And he knows how to work with young quarterbacks. And that is what. Uh, young Lawrence or Young Fields are is going to need now. Platform of the Jets: Becton, McGovern, Fant will come back. Mims, Crowder, Quinnen, Foley. Uh, um, we're going to have John Franklin Myers back. Mosley, May, Hall, and Austin. That's our team. That nobody's go. That team is not going anywhere. Okay, maybe maybe Crowder might leave. I hope not. I hope they they bring him back for his last year. Yeah, now, now I'll, throw, uh, I'll throw Ashton Davis on that list also. Oh, and uh, yeah, of course, and Ashton Davis. I'm sorry. Yeah. Free agents. We're going to have more money than almost any team in the league. Nobody's going to really be able to match us as far as the um, cap goes. And that was something, again, that we talked about that was foresight for JD looking ahead. So these are the, 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 the free agents I would target, okay? I would get one of these. I would go after Yannick Ngakwe or Matt Judon, one of them, one of them, okay? Matt, imagine would, those guys with Quinnen I'm telling in the middle. Because if you, you don't double Quinnen, Quinnen gets doubled now because we have nobody else rushing the passer, right? So if if he's if you have to double Quinnen and one of those guys only has a tackle on him, that's that's a, that's going to be some scary business right 100%, 100%. So I'll grab one of those guys at guard because we're going to need another guard, Joe Thune or Brandon Sheriff. Or if you can grab both, that's cool, you know, but I wouldn't overpay. But Joe Thune or Brandon Sheriff, I'll get one of them. This is the guy to me. Now, th this isn't going to be a really sexy pick probably for a lot of people. To me, this is my number one uh, free agent uh, target if I am JD. Patrick Peterson. I will throw the freaking book at him. Get me Patrick Peterson. Get him in here as a New York Jet number one cornerback. Hall, bless as two, three. That's that, <laughs> that, Keith, that locks up the secondary with May and Ashton. Okay. Patrick Peterson, throw the book, make him the highest paid corner in the history of the league. I don't care. 
Whoa, get whoa, him. whoa. He's gonna be he he'll, he'll be thirty one going to next he'll year. Be, he'll show. be thirty He's thirty he's thirty right now. He's thirty. So thirty he'll be maybe next year Revis, going in. Yeah. So we can't Revis. I don't know highest paid, but he's still playing good. He's still balling this year, he got a ton of tackles, still playing well. Go with Arizona his entire career, so maybe he's looking for a change of scenery at this point in his career, Mike. He is, yeah, maybe not the highest paid, but we should pay him and get him here. I think that would really make our, that would be such a great transition, I think, because then he would sign for a couple years, bow out, and then Hall and and, uh, Bless could take over, you know? Um, And then I would get one of these guys, either Galladay, Juju, Godwin, or Allen Robinson. If I had one to pick, I probably would take Godwin. Yeah, you know what? I would probably take – I think Allen Robinson's the best receiver out of those four. I think that – but I think what's going to happen here, Mike, Galladay could get franchised in theory, right? Allen Robinson could get franchised. I don't know if that's the direction the Bears are going to go, though. He'll, I think he's going to hit the free agent market. But I doubt because of – you know, they, they draft a receiver every year, the Steelers, right? So Juju's only 24 or yeah. about to be 24 because, remember, he came in the league. He was only 20. So this is only 30 years, really young, but they have two good receivers, and Washington's not great, but whatever. So Juju might not be someone they bring back if a team wants to give him real money. I don't see them franchise tagging him, Mike. And I don't see Godwin, when they if they do have that talent there, they're going to bring back Evans. They have a couple good receivers there. Interesting to see. With it. Godwin's only 24 also, so we'll see what happens with him. He's young enough to get franchise tag, but I think those guys might be available. And Allen Robinson, though, to me, is the best of those receivers because Allen Robinson has never had a good quarterback to play with pretty much like in his entire career, if you look at it. It reminds me of Hopkins early in his career, but he's always managed to put stats up with just bombs, just bombs out there. Just Trubisky, Bortles, just guys that you're like, get out of here. These guys are just, these guys are like bums in a flag football league, you know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, and that's what he, but I think Juju, as we see this year, they kind of changed his role because they got Claypool, big guy, running deep. They got Deontay Johnson's fast as hell. So they just he stuck Juju in the slot. He's been doing his best in the slot. Ton of touchdowns this year. Godwin, I think all around, Mike, is, is a tremendous receiver. Galladay is great. So any of those guys would fit well, Mike. And I think you need a bunch of dudes there that would fill holes in the future. I think because also one thing we mentioned a few weeks ago when we broke down the NFL salary cap um, last month, I should say, is that the, the the cap as of now? The floor for the cap is going to be 175 million dollars, Mike. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know that's going to be the floor. So that's the minimum we know the cap's going to be. So this year was over 200 million. So the cap's going to go down in theory for some teams next year. Yeah. Now we're going to be we're going to be 80 million dollars under it no matter what. Other teams, when the cap goes down. And, and then they look at what the money they have next year, which happens every year. Teams are over the cap and they cut dudes. But some teams like the Saints, for instance, they're going to be $90 million over the cap, right? Crazy. You, you look at some of these teams, you're like, wow, because the cap's going down too. So, like, And my point, what I'm saying, guys, is a lot of teams are going to have less money, A, because of COVID, B, because the cap's going down. And what that's going to equal is that they're not going to be able to just franchise dudes. You can't just say, oh, let me franchise um, Allen Robinson. Now he gets... He's one of the highest. He gets the average of the five highest paid receivers in the league, and now he's getting eighteen million dollars a year. They might not be able to afford that. The Bears, yeah, so, right. Because of those monetary things, that's actually that's going to benefit us next year. Also. <laughs> Dropping numbers on you, cat. <laughs> 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 All right, so those are some positive things, Mike. Before we get out of here, real quick, we're going to do a speed round talking about this Rams game, guys. Because who wants to hear a Rams Jets breakdown? I don't. I don't, Mike. We're just going to run through it. Tell you guys what we think, real quick. Get the hell out of here. Rams, Jets, this weekend, 0-14, looming on the horizon. Here we go. The situation, uh, 
kind of got heavy on me. Hey, cool, everybody. So, Jets, Rams, Jared Goff coming in to play the New York Jets. Goff this year has not been amazing, but he's been pretty decent. 18 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He's about 3,500 yards this year, so he's probably going to be over 4,000 yards passing. But he's almost at 70% completion percentage, so he's been doing what they asked him to do. Comes to the Ram, the, the receiving core, a bunch of different options to throw the ball to, even though he doesn't have crazy stats. Cup, Woods, Reynolds, Everett's pretty good. A bunch of guys, their running back position's been up and down. Akers has been coming on, Mike. I know he's on the Jedis. Akers has been coming on, the year's been going on. But what really scares me about this team isn't the offense so much, it's the defense. Yeah. And we have a lot of talent on defense on paper, but it seems like last year, they played good last year, but I think we all thought last year they were going to be like, just dominate all year. And I, that's kind of come to fruition this year with all the talent they have. Aaron Donald, of course. And there's a chance this week we also only score three points or just get field goal attempts because I don't see us moving the ball up and down in the Rams if we can't move the ball up and down in some of these other defenses we played. If we can't move the ball in the Seahawks, why are we going to move the ball in the Rams? Kind of what my thinking is. This week we're going to get whooped, and that's pretty much all i got to say about it, Mike. Rams are the number one defense, and they face the winless Jets 32 offense. I mean... They, I am not at all really afraid or um, unclear about what's going to happen on Sunday. We're going to get destroyed. And I don't think there's anything that Gase could do to stop that because they're just way better than us. <laughs> and, uh, everything to you just said, the talent that they have on offense, I think that uh, the quarterback, running back, um, Cup, you know, they're going to just eat our secondary alive. And then the defense, I mean, Becton is going to have uh, a, a very uh, hard time, you know, going out there. I know he's up for the Pro Bowl. Him and Q are getting Pro Bowl votes. But, uh, you know, he's going to be going up against a ferocious defensive line. And um, I just don't see anything good coming of it. I hope that, you know, the Jets can keep fighting and not give up. But... I don't say especially the fact that our kicking situation is, I mean, I think Sergio's back with Senor, right, Nick? I yeah. believe so. Yeah. Uh, plane, uh, plane, planes that were, um, there were rumors that the plane definitely hit the tarmac earlier. Yeah, okay. I, saw, I saw it on his Instagram. He is back down in Los Huevos, unfortunately. She's like a shooting star here in our jet universe, Mike. He came across the universe. He shined brightly. <laughs> we looked up, we saw it, and he just faded right away last week. And mystery field goals, and welcome Chase McLaughlin to the Jets. They, look, do you have anything different to say than me and Mike? This is just going to be a brutal game this weekend, right? Uh, unfortunately, I don't see how how you get around it. Uh, you would you would like you would like for them to play hard and maybe make it a close game. Uh, at least you know show something towards the end here, but. I, I don't see it happening. That's what we got to say, Mike. I mean, what are you going to do? What are we going to do? 0 14's coming. Trevor, hopefully, is coming. Future's going to be bright, hopefully, guys. And, Mike, if anyone does want to get at us, support us, listen to us in any way, shape, or form, where can they do that? Well, we're hosted on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com. Please see us on iTunes and give us a listen. Five-star rating. Really, really appreciate it. Tell your friends about us. We really love to hear from you guys about our podcast follow us on facebook at aebg.jetsradio on twitter at aebg underscore nyj podcast and on instagram at jet.aebg you heard the man on behalf of the biggest jet fan in the state of texas and the big sticking wookie nicholas cronk my name is keith farrell we'll get at you next week everybody peace out hey this is john amos and uh, they say it ain't easy being green are you ready 
can't win. The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're gonna win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Are very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Y'all beat us up. Don't believe it.